Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth and I am your host. I hope all of you enjoyed the holiday weekend if you are a listener from the U.S. and you celebrated 4th of July, did some fun things over the weekend. Um, You know, for me, I actually kept it very chill this past weekend and um, you know I actually originally was supposed to be in Chicago and just you know catching up with my brother because he just moved there um, all that fun stuff but I just unfortunately had a little bit too much work to catch up on and it was just one of those things where my gut feeling was like oh, I just I really can hop on a plane right now and go to Chicago. So um, yeah, if you were someone that didn't really do much this weekend either, I could totally feel you. I was very much the same way. But I think, uh, you know, everything in life is about sacrifice. And I feel like this past weekend was very much that for me. You know, I, I was putting in some work during a time there where I really wish I could just be relaxing But it's just a friendly reminder to me and to all of you guys, you have to think long term. It's about what you want now versus what you want most. So anyways, today's episode is an extremely fun one, as you can probably tell from the title. And, you know, funny enough how I just was talking about sacrifice and thinking long term about your goals and what you want for yourself and for your life. My guest today, Brandon Brooks, he definitely touches on this and he shares a lot about his mindset in his journey, especially in his career as a former professional football player. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have Brandon on this podcast is because, as most of you guys know, if you've been listening for a while, I really focus on mindset a lot because when I shifted my mindset a few years ago when I was still in college, that's when my life really changed and transformed and that's how I have been able to get the opportunities that I have today and that's how I live in New York now, you know, and how I lived in LA and on all these amazing places and it's funny when I think back to where I started, I was just a small town girl from Pennsylvania and so when Brandon and I met for the first time a while back, we had a conversation on mindset and a lot about how we are competitors by nature. And for me especially, I'm so grateful that I have that background just because I was a competitive figure skater and a competitive tennis player, which I know not many people have in that in their experience. And so I've always realized like that's where I've been able to draw parallels. You know, for me, it's like same thing in skating. I wish I honestly sacrificed more weekends back then and I wish I'd, I worked a bit harder because I know I there were many moments where I wasn't like 150% there compared to some of my competitors and I acknowledge that today and so that's why I put in the work now because I know what it did to me when I didn't as a 16 year old and honestly I'm not saying I regret it in, by any means but it was a lesson learned And so I really try to translate that into real life experience today, especially for those of you who are very interested in understanding how to be a better performer, better critical thinker, and how to make better decisions in your life. And so this conversation with Brandon is very interesting. And I think we touch on a lot of that, especially the mindset aspect and not letting the outside noise get in your head because you can imagine of someone like Brandon being in the public eye as a professional athlete you're gonna get critiqued a lot you're gonna get shit on a lot you know but anyways before we begin a little bit about Brandon Brandon Brooks is a former NFL player where he played for 10 seasons initially for the Houston Texans and later on with Philadelphia Eagles He played six seasons with the Eagles, with whom he won the Super Bowl, defeating the New England Patriots during the 2017 season. 
Brandon has also known to be public about his personal struggles with mental health, especially around stress-related anxiety and the physical impact it had on him, which even resulted in missing some games during the season. So, of course, we also talk about mental health, which I know is very relatable to many of you, and I really, really love the way he frames his approach to anxiety and how that impacted him and especially how he didn't allow himself to make excuses about it and so I really do believe there are a lot of takeaways from this episode and one last thing I did make note here for those of you guys who listen outside of the U.S. in which I do know quite a lot of you guys are actually outside of the U.S. just for reference NFL football is professional football and football as in like American football not um, you know, not the original football, as we as we would say. But I just want to clarify, just in case any of you guys, you know, don't keep up with American sports and you're like, what in the heck is NFL? What kind of, like, what is football? Because I know technically football is soccer. But yeah, anyways, American football. And it's a total American sport thing. But anyways, without further ado, we will dive into the episode. All right. Are you ready for this? Ready to go. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Wow. 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 All right. Brandon Brooks. So great to have you. Um, let's give the audience some context. Can you dive into like your background and your career from your point of view? Right. We got we gotta take the audience back yeah. to the beginning. I'm talking like Whew. when you like let's, let's do it this way. Like, at what point did you start to realize that maybe you can actually go pro? This has got to be early, relatively early. Actually, no. Oh. Um, so my whole thing with football was two things. One, it was something I enjoyed to do. Um, I was playing with the kids, you know, from my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then two, I just looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, possibly not have my mom pay for college. Okay. And so anything after that was always uh, kind of a bonus. But to answer your question, I would say – Sophomore, junior year, and the reason I say that is because, and don't quote me on this exactly, mm-hmm. just for NCAA purposes, I yeah, think it's yeah. sophomore or junior year where agents can start contacting you. Mm-hmm. So whatever the time was, that's when um, you know agents started reaching out. Uh-huh. And then I was like, well, you know, if they're reaching out to me, well, you know, I must be doing something right, or at least on the right path. Uh-huh. Like, hey. Maybe if I keep going this way, you know, maybe I'll get a shot. And that's right. was kind of my whole um, mindset and view. Uh-huh. Like wow. Of, yeah. How old were you when you started playing and fell in love with the sport? So I was 12. Okay. Uh, Is that <clears throat> early or late or like middle, normal time for? I probably would say it's a little later. Oh, okay. Um, I okay. think a lot, of, um, a lot of us probably started playing and, you know, Wee football, six, seven years old. Uh-huh. Um, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You know, I thought I was going to be sweet out there and dunking and, <laughs> you know, the crowd goes wild. And I quickly realized that was not the case. Yeah. Um, and I decided to get a football a shot. And, you know, I started uh, my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, a fish out of water initially. Yeah. Um, it was something I hadn't done. I think the thing that saved me was I was always a pretty good athlete for a bigger person, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. And so once I figured out, like, you know, how the game is played and, you know, so on and so forth, just, you know, putting the hard work in and, you know, going from there. Yeah. So you play like most people do throughout high school and then college, right? Where did you play in college? And then, I guess, take us through the journey of, I guess, what they would say, like, pre-draft. And at what point you realized you were going to make it. All right, so. I feel like that gets, like, spicier, you know. Well, I, got like a, I got a two-parter for you. Okay. So, buckle up for this. <laughs> so, coming out of high school, actually, um, my junior year, getting ready to go to my senior year, so that summer. I went to the Boston College camp. Okay. And it was my first football camp. And, you know, it's uh you know, it's a bunch of kids, you know, trying to 
um, you know, showcase their talent for coaches. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's a, a, a million things going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember going up there and I went with my high school quarterback at the time. And I was just going like, you know, just to see like what other, you know, kids my age across you right. know, the U.S. was like. And basically I walked out of there with like a scholarship to like Northeastern, University right. of Massachusetts, Boston College, um, and a bunch of like other schools around there. And so I came back and that's kind of when the buzz got started as far as uh, like my recruiting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so being a kid from Wisconsin, I was like, let me go to the one day camp at Wisconsin. Mm. And so I went there for a day, uh, did well, and basically got offered by Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And so not too long after that, I went on a unofficial visit and basically committed. I committed to Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Like out of the gate. And so basically, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I chose not to go to Wisconsin. And, mm -hmm. you know, a kid. So you committed and you changed your mind. Yeah, okay. changed my mind. Okay. And, you know, a kid from Wisconsin uh -huh. um, who also plays offensive line to not go to Wisconsin, you know, it was kind of like a, as you would say, you know, it's kind of spicy. You right. Know, like, why, you know, why didn't he want to go? And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Wisconsin is a great school. Yeah. Um, obviously great football program, a lot yeah. of history, but, uh, you know, it wasn't for me and ended up going to Miami. Okay. And, you know, Miami is a, you know, mid-American conference school, a mm -hmm. night school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they play. And to clarify, this is Miami University. Yeah. So okay. I can I can go into depth about that as well, right? <laughs> so, yes, Miami University in Ohio, mm -hmm. not the University of Miami of the Year. Right, right. And so, uh, you know, went there. And my thing was, you know, if I wanted to make it to the next level, mm -hmm. I would need to play early and often. Mm -hmm. At the time, um you know, for that conference, they had won a lot of games. Yeah. And, uh, I figured I could play there early and often and okay. yeah, open it back up and decided to go there. Um, I ended up getting offers from, like, North Carolina State as well. But okay. between there and BC, it was just too far. Like, okay. I didn't know, like, the East Coast at all. Okay. Um, now you do. <laughs> yeah, right. Ironically enough, one of my visits was actually to Temple. Oh, really? Oh. Al Golden was the head coach. Okay, okay. You know, that was about a decade ago now. Wow. Um. But uh, actually, a little over a decade, almost 15 years. Okay. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ended up going to Miami. And um, yeah, I redshirted and actually thought about transferring back to Wisconsin. Like, I, maybe I should have went there the first time. Mm. Why was that? Why'd you have that thought? So, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, me and JJ grew up together. Uh huh. And he originally went to Central Michigan. Okay. And so. You know, he was thinking about transferring as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, like, you know, we could transfer together or like, you know, whatever. And, you know, I quickly realized, like, if I transfer, like, I won't be on scholarship anymore. And, like, my mom can't, like, afford that. Like, right. I don't want to, you know, go into loans. And um, hats off to him, though. I mean, he bet on himself and yeah. look at him now, right? Right. Um, so I ended up staying at Miami. I redshirted. And then my redshirt freshman year, I started for the, you know, next four years. Right. Um, but, you know, again, I played, was it my redshirt freshman year was right guard, redshirt sophomore year was left tackle, redshirt junior year was left guard, and then my redshirt senior year was right guard. Okay. And so, I, you know, I would always play, you know, wherever they needed me, mm -hmm. um, you know, try to be a team guy. Yeah. And so, you know, I played my final game my senior year, and at the time, I think I was projected to go, like, undrafted, maybe, like, sixth, seventh round. Oh, wow. And I realized, for me, the biggest thing that I needed to do was to go to an all-star game and play well. Mm. Like, that would, you know, help my draft stock from the perspective of you're going against a Power 5 school. Mm -hmm. um, Power 5, like, you know, SEC. Right. AC, yeah, so um, I went to the East-West game. Yeah. Um, did well, boosted my stock up from there. But the thing was, I guess, the catch – was I didn't go to the combine and get invited actually. Oh. And so my combine was my pro day. Um, did well there and got drafted in the third round. Okay. Um, in between there, we went out to a place, I think it's called Exos now, but mm -hmm. it was called API Athletes Performance Institute. Okay. And they train you for, uh, you know, the draft coming up, mm -hmm. um, the different, you know, things that pro day and, you know, lifting and stuff as far as that. And so, 
um, you know, did that. And, you know, like I said, had a great pro day, got drafted. But I think a, the thing that most people don't really realize is once you get drafted, like, that's when, like, the real work starts. Like, mm. All of a sudden, like, and that was a third-round draft pick. So, you know, the higher you're drafted, the earlier you're expected to play and produce. And I always say, you know, high school going to college is about potential. Okay. But in the league, it's not about potential. It's about production. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, like, you come in as a third-round draft pick, you're expected to play, you know, and produce. And, you know, for me, you know, I came from a small school. The playbook mm-hmm. was small. You know, the learning curve was big. Right. Um, you know, I looked at it as a challenge. But, you know, I guess unfortunately slash fortunately, I didn't, like, get the playbook as fast as another player. And I and I say that um, just saying, like, one, this other player, and his name's Ben Jones, like, phenomenal guy. He's like a brother to me. Um, super smart guy. Uh, you know, he, he learned to play book fashion. You know, he went to Georgia. Um, you know, obviously, you know, no excuses, but right. man, he got to play with fashion. So it was kind of like, yo, like, like this is the NFL. Like, right. like wake up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got work to do. Mm-hmm. And so between that being a wake up call and being around, you know, older veteran players. Yeah. Really, like, showed me how important it is to to focus and put your time into to your craft. Mm-hmm. And I thank God I had those dudes. But so that was, you know, kind of my transition between like college and the pros, like coming in. Yeah. So you didn't really have, because I'm sure everyone has a different experience, but you didn't really have like a moment where you're like very confident that you're going to make it. It was, it was more, it sounds like it was more of a long was, process or did you, or did you have confidence during that time that you're, you're, you're very likely going to make it? It was probably two parts, the East-West game and the combine. Okay. My pro day. Okay. So the East-West game, it was my first time, like, at a Mac school, we played in front of, like, mm-hmm. you know, three, 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would um, – I'd always call them your first four because, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you would play, like, your big schools. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, Florida or uh, Cincinnati, front thing, or, like, Missouri or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those were considered – you know, from a league standpoint, you know, where a lot of guys came out of. So, like, if you could do well versus them, like, that's saying a lot. And so, again, I knew when I went to the East-West game, I needed to do well. And I never forget I got off the bus, and it was my first time where, like, it had to be, like, 100 people, like, like circling <laughs> the field, like, with, like, notebooks, like, just, just everything you're doing, like, writing it down, like, cameras here just rolling. I'm like, yo, like <laughs> – like this is like so like yeah. like different like like okay like this is a you know put up or shut up time right this is you know like your job interview and so yeah every day like you know guys right behind you in the line just writing stuff down like in every second so that was that was my first I guess you could say uh, confidence boost, booster letting me know that I could do it you know, playing well there. And then at the pro day, I did really well um, between, you know, like the non-football drills and the football drills. Like, so those two things kind of let me know, like, like, all right, like, you know, I'm, I got a shot to do this. And, uh, you know, as far, even as far as getting drafted, like, you know, I'll probably get drafted. And then as far as where I really didn't know. And I think a lot of people think that uh, as a player, you, know when you're gonna get drafted you have right. no idea like what round or team okay they'll tell you like in a range but you just wait for that phone call interesting wow so i had someone submit or i told you before i had some people submit questions and somebody wanted to know like you know especially now that you recently retired and we talk about it as both athletes as well you know you you love the game you're gonna miss it but at some point you realize it's you time it's time to move on to a new chapter but what do slash did you love about playing football professionally besides um in in this person's terms the money quote unquote or i also added maybe you know money was never part of the decision making for you um and that you and again i I think we have a similar mindset to this that you know if if you love what you do you love the craft right and just like building a business, you, you can't go into things for that, for the money, for what you think is the end result, because then, 
you, you're not chasing as much of an internal purpose. But I would like to hear your thoughts on that coming from playing professionally, which is very different than building a business, although it's similar but different. Right, right, right. As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, I always choose Magic Mind because, like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's FULFILL, F-U-L-F-I-L-L, at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Uh, okay, so the things I loved about the game. So, number one, I'm a competitor. I compete at everything. I'm overly competitive, like all the... I'll put it this way. Me and my mom can't play games together because we're so competitive <laughs> and like it gets, we could very well I, play I something that. for hours. Yeah. But, uh, so that's number one. Like, You love to compete. For what I was doing and loved to do as a kid, like there was no higher level than NFL. And it's not about just getting to the NFL. Um, for me, it was about being the best. And mm-hmm. the best isn't a one-time thing. To me, like, best is almost interchangeable with consistent like if you're consistently number one or you know top three or four whatever like that speaks to me more value than like you know being one year at number one you know what i'm saying but so yeah that was number one number two the nfl doesn't care you know what you look like where you're from you know who your parents were either you can play football or not so you have people from you know, I guess you could say, like, in the least status to people who, you know, came from nothing. And, like, none of that matters. Yeah. Like, either you can play football or, or you can't. You can't fake it till you make it on the field type yeah, thing. And, like, I, and I love that, you know. Yeah, again, like, like, the field is going to tell you. <laughs> and more, you know, importantly, the paths are going to tell you, like, if this is for you or, right. you know, or for not, you know. So yeah. um, those those two things, and I guess you could say in the second one, like the locker room, like yeah. I'll always miss like those two things for sure. Were there ever days where you're just like, I don't feel like it, you know, like where you're like, you, you have to wake up for practice. You have to. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody goes through that. Right. right. Um, for me, it was two times more uh, specifically. One was it would always be when July 1st hit because the 24th, like it was training camp. It was 100 miles an hour. It was, you know, from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m for six out of seven days for four weeks oh and that starts july 1st july 24th oh but oh. my feeling would be july 1st because oh. i knew by the end of the month oh like, okay you okay. know you go from like you know just hanging out you know enjoying your summer to right. like you know the <laughs> toughest stretch of right. the next season right so wait so how many days are you pro- like take me through a day during that uh, period of time or like just the rigor of what you're doing each day just so people kind of like get why yeah so <laughs> the nfl rule is uh you have to have one day off every, out of every seven okay and i think that was you know in uh i think that was uh started in the last maybe decade okay. but basically for you know six out of seven days like you're grinding you know again from 
and especially the older you are, the earlier you're coming in to, yeah. you know, get in the hot tub, to get stressed out, to get rolled out because it takes you longer to get ready. And so you very well may come in at, you know, 637, um, get breakfast, go in the training room. Uh, either, again, you need to get stretched out or taped or um, maybe you got, you know, bumps and bruises or something. Maybe you need a treatment. And so you do that. And um, I've had it where you've had meetings right after that. You had meetings for, let's just say from 8 to 11, mm. where it'd be like a team meeting, a unit meeting. You know, I was an offense, play offensive line. So, yeah. you know, you meet with the offense coordinator, you install, you know, the plays for the day, the different adjustments, the different blitzes. Um, and then you go to the offensive line room and they kind of, you know, break it down a little bit more for your position from there. Mm-hmm. And that'll be, you know, another hour or so. Mm-hmm. And then you go practice. And, you know, it's, you know, defense is putting stuff in too, but, you know, you're going from what you just learned to straight, you know, applying it. And if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing, yeah. somebody's going to get hurt. Yikes, or, you know what I mean? Right. Or like, it's going to look bad. Yeah. And so you do that for practice and then. For a couple hours? Yeah, you okay. practice for two and a half hours. Okay. And so how it would start like a practice, you would come out and you would have pre-practice. And so you would get with your coach and okay. you would walk through the plays. So my line coach was Jeffrey Stalin, a phenomenal offensive line coach. Um, I mean, I always say I wouldn't have been the player I was without him. And so, yeah, you would start uh, with pre-practice, walk through the plays and maybe just some technique stuff just because he wanted to. And then you would go to like a stretch. You go stretch and, you know, warm up from there. And then depending on the day, you could do like a uh, offensive walkthrough where you, mm-hmm. where you go through the plays as offense. And you may go through like 50 plays mm-hmm. into different blitzes, different looks. Wow. Um, and then after that, uh, if it was like a Thursday or Friday, you could do a, like a field goal drill. Um, and then from there, you go to individual. You go to individual for two to three periods. Periods maybe like five to seven minutes. Yeah. And so what time do you usually end the day then? You're going home at what time? Oh, uh, like nine. So, <laughs> yeah. So after practice, like you shower up, right. you get something to eat, and then it's more meetings. So right. then you would have meetings based on the practice that you just had, yeah. corrections. And then you would have a walkthrough, mm-hmm. and then you go through another 60 plays for the next day. And then after that, you would have meetings again from seven to nine, have a snack, and then go home and wake up and do it again. So when you're doing all that, like, you know, that is the toughest part. You know, for me, I would say about like day eight or nine of mm-hmm. training camp, mm-hmm. where it's like you've done that exact schedule for nine straight days now, and you know you got, you know, at least another three weeks or so. And it's like just every day, because it's a grind. Right. And, you know, the pads have been on now, so you're making the hit every day. Yeah. Every day. And it's not, you know, when you're young, you know, I say 22, 23, you're rookie, like, you know, every day is new, like, it's great. But imagine, like, you're 32. And it's like, oh, you're getting hit again. You're getting hit again. You know what I mean? It's like, but, you know, that's in those times. Mm-hmm. Just like transitioning now, those are the times where, like, again, you'll know if it's for you or not. And so, I, you know, I hate it, but I love it at the same time. Yeah. I want to dive into mindset because I feel like we relate a lot on mindset. But I want to kick it off with maybe probably the – I'm assuming to most people it would be similar in like skating, right? Where like going to the Olympics would be like the highlight of the career. I'm assuming Super Bowl 2018, right? Is that, would you well, say? 2017, but. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, would you say that's uh, the highlight? And kind of share maybe just insight into what, like what goes on in your head, you know, big game. I remember, um, you know, obviously from Pennsylvania as well, very impactful times. And I had friends, you know, I was still in college at the time. So a lot of my friends who were at Villanova, Temple, all over. I mean, all I saw were videos on Snapchat, Instagram. They're literally, you know, fucking blowing up the city and celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw some wild shit. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it was, right? yeah, it was a wild time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at it as the pinnacle of anything like team-based. To not just win it, but in the fashion we did versus, you know, Bill and Tom. I don't think it's any sweeter way to win it. And so, yeah, winning it all, the confetti falling, I mean, raising Lombardi Trophy. um, Like, that was great. 
But the thing that like really opened my eyes to what it meant was when we had the parade in the city. And so, like, to see all of Philly out, to see, like, people crying, to see people, um, you know, spilling their family's ashes and saying, like, you know, seeing older people, like, oh, I can finally die in peace now. And it's just, like, you always knew Philly cared about or a lot about the sports, their sports teams, but winning it all, like, showed – I guess it was just like such like joy. Um, I realized how like yeah how important it was um, like to the city of Philadelphia, which made it like that much more like important to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so that's the way it impacted other people. Yeah, like impacted me. Yeah. Because for me, like yeah. I've won games, I've you know done X, Y, and Z, and you know winning the Super Bowls, you know, great, and having a ring is great, but it's like you know the fact that you could you know, bring one to the city, like, it's probably the the highlight of, of it for me. But, yeah, and then, you know, kind of leading up to it, you know, we had, you know, a really a good year, and I think at one time we were, like, 8, 9, and 0. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking, like, ah, like, you know, pretty damn good. Like, you know, I think <laughs> by, like, game 11, we might have been, like, 11 and 2. Like, shit, like, we might really can make some noise this yeah. year. <laughs> And I'll say when we beat Minnesota, I think it was like 38 to, I don't know, 38 to something. And they were the number one ranked defense. I was like, yeah, this this will probably be the year. Damn. Just because we were, we were clicking on all cylinders, like the city was behind us, like the energy was there. And going into the, you know, the, the Super Bowl itself, it was just like, I mean, you know Bill and Tom, man, they've done this at a – extremely high level for years like yeah. you know you got to strap up and you know get ready to go but you know I wouldn't say it was a, a lack of confidence on our part at all um I mean, going into the Super Bowl man we had a lot of like energy and, and confidence within ourselves so mm-hmm. um the only like big game moment mm-hmm. where I was like damn like I'm really in the Super Bowl was at the kickoff like we're all the flat like the lights went out and the flashes went off and I was like, shit, like, this is like, you know, what you see on NFL films. Like, right, this is right, like, right. but, you know, when when you're in the game, like, you're, you're just really locked in. You're locked, just locked in on winning it. Yeah. How did you, how did you mentally prepare, I guess, for yourself? Um, yeah, maybe focus more on yourself instead of just the team. I think each person, and I think I want to talk a little bit about it as well, like, regarding mental health, how you prepare yourself for a game, how you prepare yourself for big moments, but also like the everyday practice, right? Because again, uh, you know, we talk about it as a former athlete. I remember it's like you feel more confident going into something like that when you when you do that in practice every single day, right? So, so you, it's muscle memory. But also it's a different element of preparing yourself mentally when you're like, this is this is the moment. This is the game, right? This is very important. So how do you uh, maintain, I guess, a like calm manner going into it, but also still accepting the fact that there are a little bit of nerves. There is a little bit of this mental aspect because everyone, it's all mental at the end of the day. The, the physical stuff you've been doing since July, right? You know, of that season, so to speak. But how do you prepare yourself mentally? And then how has that, how have you taken that off the field now? It's been my greatest strength and weakness yeah it's it's been a double-edged sword mm-hmm. uh is the you know easiest way to say it and i've grappled with it for at this point decades um i think the first step is understanding like it's gonna happen mm-hmm. like you're gonna be anxious you're gonna have butterflies um and the reason being is because you care. Mm-hmm. Like, if you didn't have that, well, then <laughs> either you don't care or, like, you're a psychopath. Like one of, like one <laughs> that's of the true, two. that's true, yeah. So, and again, we had this conversation, especially, like, the bigger the risk, like, yeah. the more, like, it's going to, like, be on you. Right. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, well documented at this point, you know, mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, battles with anxiety and how it, you know, impacted me and um, the games I missed in my career. The thing for me is... When you want to be great at something and you don't accept anything less consistently, mm-hmm. and, and it's, again, I guess you could say the perfectionist in me, but 
when I played, I consistently, again, wanted to be great. And so I was watching film. I was studying stuff. I was breaking stuff down consistently and just thinking, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? X, Y, and Z. And, again, you know, it drove me, I guess you could say, (laughs) to be good at what I did. But at the same time, to a certain degree, like, it drove me, like, like insane sometimes. And it's just a a thing where, like, you're going to battle with it. So so you say it drove you insane maybe because of, like, fear of, quote-unquote, failing in a way? Yeah. Like, a, because of the perfectionism? That's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, failure to me is just, uh, I've never dealt, dealt well with failing or losing. Yeah. Um, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Don't ever play me in a sport, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I, you know I, like to, I like to win, but you got to realize in a sport or anything where the talent gap is neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. I mm-hmm. think the more important thing is that you realize that or you try to win more than you lose. Nobody's perfect. Even guys who went in the Hall of Fame for playing yeah. offense line had bad days, had yeah. bad games, even bad years. Um, but being able to, one, accept that, but two, being able to weather the storm. And this is what we you know, spoke about earlier where it's like, the bigger the risk you take, the bigger or the more, I guess you could say, uh, or the greater the fall could be right, if right. you fail. And it's not if you fail, like if you're taking great risk, you're going to fail eventually. Yeah. And when you do fail, like it's not like it's just like, oh, I'm bulletproof. Like I'm not going to feel a certain way or it's not super shitty. Because it's 100% going to feel like shit. You're going to feel like shit. But again, like, take your time. Dust yourself off. But the most important thing is to get back up and keep going. So whether it was injuries, you know, I tore both my Achilles, my pec, my shoulder. Whether it was a mental health piece where um, I would go to the hospital, um, you know, for stuff like vomiting and stuff. Like, it was like you never heard me ever say something like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, or like, oh, I don't know. Like, for me, it was like, it's a setback. Like, it's going to happen. Like, did you want it to happen this way? No. Yeah. Um, you know, is it to a certain degree embarrassing because, you know, it's something where it's not physical, right? So, like, people can't see it. So it makes people, like, there is totally. no barrier. Like, totally. either you agree with it or you don't at all. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we spoke about this about social media. Like, when it, yeah. when I did miss a game, like, I would never delete my social media because, like... Would people be talking shit? Like, oh, 100%. Like, wow. Like, on Twitter and Instagram, like, all that stuff. Wow. But the more important thing is, like, again, you got to weather the storm. Like, you got to stand on it. And so, for me, like, I'm never going to delete my, my Instagram or Twitter. Like, you know, feel free to say whatever. Like, you know, life goes on. And you got to yeah. be able to weather it. Uh, same thing with the injuries. So it's about bouncing back when you do fall and understanding that the bigger the risks, I mean, the greater possibly the fall can be. But the risk in itself will always be worth it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So like high risk, high reward. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, that was always my mindset. Mm-hmm. Like put in every ounce and fiber of your being into your craft. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, find something that you love. Because it's going to be days where you don't want to do it. And it's going to be the love for what you do that's going to uh, prevent you from cutting corners. And so when I was playing, every fiber of my being and thoughts were about football, about how to get better, about, you know, basically cause and effect. Okay, I lift weights and try to be as strong as I can. Okay, well, this is going to help me on the field. Okay, I do all this speed stuff and running, like, you know, not just in season or in the off season, like, every week, every day. Because when it comes time, I want to be consistently the best at what I do. So like, that was always my mindset. And, you know, you're, again, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but, you know, dust yourself off and, you know, keep going. Relating to setbacks and, you know, how you dealt with people when they were talking shit, right? How, like, was there a motto or anything, like a quote or, or anything someone, maybe a coach, a psychologist, anything that someone had said to you that really hit you and was like, oh, this helps me get back into the right state, right? Because even for me, I remember there were times when I'm feeling off mentally and then suddenly I, like, 
read something that I write down or like, you know, I'm like, oh, right, that's that's how I bounce back. Was there anything like that for you? And, you know, maybe it could be a tool that other people could use when it comes to how they could bounce back. Because I think we all just need that go to uh, mechanism that helps us jump right back into that mindset. Yeah, I'd say two quotes and they still stick with me today. And I'm sure you heard the first one is from uh, Teddy Roosevelt talking about it. It's uh, not the critic who isn't in the arena. You know, the man in the arena is taking the risk. Mm-hmm. So you know, nobody cares like what your opinion is, you know, as a spectator, unless you're actually in the arena. And it's the fact that you took a risk and then, you know, a chance to actually be in the arena is what actually counts. And then the second one is, you know, you, you, you never see a hater doing better than you. Like, you know, it's always somebody who isn't quite on your level for whatever reason that becomes your biggest critic. But people on your level or, you know, doing better than you, uh-huh. like, they want to see you do well. And so those two things um, have really, you know, stayed with me. But I think as you go on your journey and as you get older, mm-hmm. maturity and actual accomplishments, like, build up that, that mindset. And so as you get older, you realize, like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't nowadays, mm-hmm. right? And especially with anything with fame, like, you're living in a fishbowl, like, and with social media, like, the access to you is very, uh, very easy. Anybody can say anything. And so even if you do what most people want, there's going to be somebody that's telling you the opposite and vice versa. And so at the very least, it's like, damn, you might as well live your life either way. Somebody's going to say something. And so that's the first part. But the second part is as you get older, you know, your cabinet of achievements gets bigger. And the more you accomplish and achieve, the more it's like, I felt that way then, and then that happened. Well, then I felt that way then, and then that happened. And after a while, you're just like, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way anymore. Like everything, you know, you look back at what you've done, and you're just like, imagine what would have happened if I thought the opposite way. Maybe, like who knows like how far you could have went. I, I think we both know people who are super talented with no confidence. And then they end up, you know, middle of the road or whatever. But we've seen people with less talent but uber confidence. And they go so much further. You know what I mean? It's just like so. uh, Having that conviction, right, to to stay in your lane and and to shoot your shot is kind of how I see it. It's it's okay to be you. It's okay to, you know, do what you like to do. It is your life, right? Right. But did it ever get to you? Like uh, maybe in the earlier days, like, you know, when you when you were – um, first playing professionally, if people were, of course, there's probably people criticizing you, talking about you and saying whether you're good or you're not, you know, and I'm sure there's that tendency to maybe read some of this, you know, like you're, you're Googling yourself, wondering what people are saying. You're like, oh, shit, I should not have looked that up, you know, um, wh- what are your thoughts on that? And maybe how did you initially overcome that? Like, did you use it to fuel your... Um, you know, your drive on the field and, and get better? Or were there ever was there ever a time where it actually, you remember it did get to your head, but then you eventually turned it around? Yeah, I mean, one, again, anything with fame and enough people, like, involved in it, you know, in, in an entire city, right? Um, depending on where you are, an entire state. And so there is no getting away from it. And mm-hmm. to think, like, you're not going to pay attention, like, you're going to pay attention. Like, somebody's you know, DMing you on Instagram, talking shit or like, you know, commenting on like your posts. Like you could be very well posting about, you know, some charity yeah. and people still talking shit. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's crazy. Like you're not, yeah, you're not going to get away from that. And that's why I said, I think it's like just experience and age, you know, even the biggest program, like the NFL is just different. And there's, you know, um, a lot less teams, right? So, again, it could very well be an entire state instead of, you know, just a, just an area. But it's something you just have to go through. And, and, you know, understand that, you know, you got vets there who have been through that. Like, you, you ask them questions, you, you, you know, you speak on it. Like, I think it, it does, you're going to see it. 
Like there's there's no escaping it, but it's just something you go through and as you get older you realize it's kind of what it is. Like it's just talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Relating to mental health for you, um, I know you had spoken about it in the past with, you know, uh, dealing with anxiety and actually having missed some games. Um, I can imagine it's really hard in, in that sport and maybe especially even today, but especially back then when the connotation around anxiety, mental health, and especially for a guy in professional football, most people might think like, you guys don't have that or you guys don't go through that looking back maybe it's like you you realized it earlier in hindsight but you know at some point you you finally found a way to cope through it and and work through it but looking back do you wish you took action sooner or um, maybe found solutions sooner instead of waiting to the point that it got if tomorrow was your last day would you feel as though you have maximized your potential How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Well, it didn't get to the point that it got to until I got to the pros. Right. Uh, The stakes were much higher. I put a lot more pressure on myself to be great, Uh to be what you know, I thought um, I should be at, you know what I mean? Um, So when it first happened, I didn't know like what was going on. And it really wasn't until I got to the Eagles that it was really diagnosed. And so once it was diagnosed, like then you got to understand it. You got to understand like what's triggering it. Like, you know, where does it stem from? hear this you know sign stuff like right. that so when i understood what it was that's when i you know took action from there um but you know it's one of those things where you know you always fight with it um you know it's a it's an everyday challenge like, yeah. it's not something where i mean you know one day it, you know you know could be gone you know and, you know you have, never have to worry about it but until then, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to, you know, battle with it. But, you know, going through it at the highest stage, you know, again, it makes people. Especially in the public, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, agree with you and not agree with you, right? Yeah. And so when I first spoke on it, um, the initial advice to me was, yo, like, don't say anything about it. Mm, like, that's what I was kind yeah, of thinking. Like, like that, just, that probably you know, would be, you know. Yeah, you know, make something up. You know, I'm just like lying about the truth never sat well with me. I would much rather tell the truth and then get crucified, you know, for it afterwards. Like if that's what, you know, what it is like, Hey, like I can go to sleep at night. hundred percent. You know what I mean? So you have to have integrity. Yeah. I I couldn't like be an imposter. Like I can lie about it. And so I mean, I saying it was just, you know, speak on what it was, stand on it. And again, the biggest thing for me was I was, and still not, looking for like like pity or anything though. I was more or less, you know, speaking on it, just saying like, this is what I'm going through. This is what's going on. Like, obviously, at this point, it's come to a head. Like I've I've struggled with it and it got out of control. 
but I'll figure it out. And like, that's like how I, how I like viewed it. You you never had concerns that it being public about it could impact your career in football because it's maybe at the time slightly taboo to talk about mental health and oh, yeah. So you're 100 percent right. So when I first spoke about it at 16, like it wasn't the environment it is today. Right, like right. you know, it was you know, it was it was a little different back then. Like you know, you really weathered some shit back then. Like, but. At that point, on the field, player-wise, take the mental illness factor away. I've proven myself. Like, I, I can play this game, and I can play damn well at this point. So whatever was going to happen, was going to happen. You know what I mean? And, you know, again, right, like, let, let me not say, like, you know, it was – it was all, you know, rainbows and lollipops because it was fucking not. And, you know, <laughs> again, people chose a side and people, you know, supported and didn't. And yeah. that's, you know, even like your closest peers now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got to you gotta walk through that too. And so every time I would miss a game, like, again, it was important for me, like, to stand up for it, right? So, like, I would always show up to the stadium vomiting through the locker room or not, even before I went to the hospital. The next day, I would always show up to meetings. I would apologize to my teammates because I felt super fucking shitty for hanging them out the drive right. for that shit. You know what I mean? Totally. So, I, I mean, every time it happened, those two things I always had to do because yeah. it just didn't sit right with me, like, why well, I couldn't figure this out and get control of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm not here to make excuses. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what happened. And I'm not here to be like, oh, well, what about – nah, like, I struggled and the shit got out of hand. And – that's no excuse. I still should have fucking been out there. But I wasn't, and I apologize. That's it. And so. All you can do is, you know, work on it, work through it, and, and like, move forward. Exactly. Of, yeah, holding on to it. So that was always, you know, important to me because I never wanted to. And like you say with the career-wise, right, like, this is what I'm going through, but I refuse to let it be a crutch. Like, I'm never going to be like, Oh, I couldn't do this because, like, you know, uh, I had anxiety or, oh, like that. I love that you bring that up because I think I told you about this the other week, too. It's like it does kind of bother me and and not in um, like not in any like offensive way to anyone, because, of course, I think we all have a little bit of things that we deal with mentally. But just like you said right there, right, like you even have like physical symptoms of, you know, you're, you're vomiting, you're you're even in the hospital missing these games. But like you just said right there, you're not using it as an excuse or a crutch. You're not saying, well, it's because I have, you know, and and quite frankly, I, I unfortunately have seen some people maybe like overuse that phrase on social media today. It's like, I need this day off because of, I got to deal with my anxiety, um, you know, and it's not to say that that's that is not true and that that's not something they they they, they don't have to work through. But there is also you, you have to find a way to live with it. And allow yourself to still show up in exceptional ways, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like I was saying, like, you never want to be a crutch or, you yeah. know, you still got to, you know, put the time in to work through it. And, you know, like I said, you know, I've always been a person like, if I fuck up and you call me out, like, shit, you got it because <laughs> you're exactly right. Like, I fucked it up. Like, yeah. you know, that's what happens, right? And, you know, with the anxiety stuff, like I said, you know, 16 was a different time, you know, you had people that understood and people that didn't. And it's like, at the same time, you know, I saw both sides, right? Like, yeah. guys who understood, you know, may have had somebody go through it or, you know, just just understood. The guys that didn't understand, like, hey, like, I get that shit too. Like, yeah. you know, you've probably never seen something like this before. You're yeah. probably thinking, like, oh, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know what right, I mean? So, right. um, you know, that's just, just what it was. And, again, I never, you know, let it be a crutch. I never made excuses for what it was, and, you know, when it did happen, I'd always show up, even, you know, throwing up, and, you know, the next day, you know, still stand on it. You know, yeah. you can't you can't run from it. You, yeah. You got to face it. It's, it's shitty. Right. But you got to face the music, man. So. Right. Even the, even like you know the media like you know they're gonna grill your ass the next day. Hundred percent, I like, can imagine. Yeah, you gotta you gotta show up there and answer the questions. Like yeah. you know, yeah. so.
No, I get that. All right. Well, uh, we have a few minutes left, but I want to dive into a bit about what's next for you, your new chapter, now that you are officially, you know, I guess, happily leaving your football career and kind of moving on to the next chapter. But I know that you've shared you are pursuing an MBA at UPenn and you most likely want to go into banking. Uh, like why? I guess I think what I'm intrigued by is like not only like why this path because it's also very rigorous, but also why do this right after retiring when, you know, maybe you could have at least taken like a year off or like two years off or maybe like you could have been actually ready to just completely retire. Right. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because at this point it goes to show, OK, it's not about the money where I think most people on a day to day basis, they um like, like most people that you just, you kind of some oftentimes have to do things for money. You got to pay rent, you got to do these things and, and that's natural. Um, but I think I would, a message I like to get across to a lot of people is that at the end of the day, you know, as much as you think money's going to solve your problems, it actually doesn't. It, it solves a lot of causes of unhappiness, such as like not being able to afford something, not being able to pay your essentials but I think it's it's always funny observing people being like yeah I'm, I'm going into this career so I can make the money or even the person that asked the question about you know what does he love about football besides the money it's like well who said he really <laughs> you know who really loved the money you know what I mean um I mean of course it's, it's the cherry on top you know we can't deny that we can't uh, deny the fact that it is a great part of what we get to do but um yeah why this path and why so soon a couple of things so the first one again I'm a competitor and so you know, time with that, go do what you love and, you know, it'll never be like, you know, working a day, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to sound almost ass backwards to say this, but when I started interning in finance for the first time, like, it was almost like like game day. Like, I was, like, fired up, like, you know, I'm dealing with numbers, like, you know, I'm taking one and making two. Like, that's a skill where it's, like, I mean, it's universal no matter what you do, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... I was like, like, young. I'm kind of fired up about this. Like, you know, let me pursue it. And I started doing more internships. Uh, did a couple down in Texas at uh, Morgan Stanley, like Amogee Bank, and uh, Kane Anderson doing some PE. And mm-hmm. then I came to Philly and I did uh, some research for a trading firm called uh, Susquehanna International Group. And then uh, did a final internship in the tax revenue department. And out of all those things. Every one of them, like, had, like, their own, like, fascination, like, which was, like, ah, like, I can see myself, you know, doing mm-hmm. something like this. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my last year I got hurt and, you know, knew, like, yeah, it's time to, you know, do something else. Um, yeah, I took the GMAT, had to study for that. Right. Um, probably the hardest test of my life. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, the GMAT, you don't have a calculator. So it's just pen and paper. Yeah. So, like. If you can't do the problem, like, you just got to press next because <laughs> no calculator is going to save you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm a competitor, right? And right. so Ivy League and Wharton, I mean, it's elite. If you're going to do something, like, do it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that's number one. Number two, playing football is great. It's opened a lot of doors for me, and I'm forever grateful for my time and love what I did. But, you know, what if God doesn't gift my son with my size? Or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what if, like, he's not coordinated or, like, you know what I mean? Or doesn't even like football. Like, I can't – what else am I going to teach him? Right. I really like that mindset. For me, it was like, well, I can, you know, I, I love, like, business, like, well, I can go in that and try to be successful in that. And that's something I can pass down to my son or daughter, like no matter what they do. And so, like, I have an opportunity to – older people always say, you know, you try to do better than the previous generation. God's blessed me with the opportunity to skip, like, 10 generations. Like, why would I not take advantage of it? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, those two things in itself – and then I've always been a huge proponent of 
um, early childhood education and financial yeah. literacy. And so I agree with that on the back half, you know, nowadays it's more about the messenger than the message sometimes. And so being able to say at the highest level, mm -hmm. I've had the highest success mm -hmm. and I don't need to go to school. Like I don't need to do anything. Like, you know, life would be okay. Or exactly. But yeah, yeah. I still went back because it's that important. Like, you know, I tore both Achilles and like, you know, by the time you're, you know, 35, I mean, you know, some guys doing it to 40, 45. But even to make it to 32, like, it's longer than most. It's something that can be taken away. Right. But having a skill and being really good at it from, like, a school standpoint, education mm -hmm. standpoint, mm -hmm. as long as you wake up every day, you can always do it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if one door closes, there's so many more doors open. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're really thinking long term about this and how it not only impacts you, but impacts your children and the generations to come. Yeah. I really like that. Um, That's very long-term thinking. I do have to say this, though. Yeah. I guess, big picture, I want to, at the end of the day, also, like, change the way we do things. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is, like, more like a like an Elon Musk, right? Mm -hmm. And not, like, I, I'm not saying, like. Totally. But but he we will say he has changed. Hey, life, you know right? Elon is Elon, like yeah. you know. But there is no denying his impact on mankind. One thousand percent. And that's what 1, I mean by, you know, change the way we do things. Mm -hmm. What school did he go to? Oh, Elon. He went to Penn. Oh, that's right. I read his bio. Yes, he I, he he was genius. I read his bio, and he threw parties back then and literally made money i think he hired his sister to like be like um you know like the door person yeah. taking money These guys just, are hustlers right right that's yeah. what i'm saying it, it's like embedded in you right like you, you have it or you don't 100 percent, 100 percent. but you know being able to you know be a part of something like that would be mm. i guess extremely like fulfilling you know what i mean mm. so that would be i would love to to do that at the end of the day yeah all right, two final questions. Uh, first one, um, what's the most impactful advice you have received maybe during your career or just in general over the past 10 years that you carry with you today and would like to leave with the audience? Something that is, you know, maybe just a mindset, a, a mental thing that just, you know, every day you wake up and live by this or it could just be a quote that you really like that you haven't shared yet. Would it put me on the spot? Uh, they used to say this, like when you have, you know, bad games or good games, it's never as bad, it's never as good. And just when you think, you know, you, you set the world on fire because you had a bad game, it's never quite as bad as you think. But when you're on top of the world because you thought you had a perfect game, it's never quite as good as you think. You know what I mean? So, you know, you be riding high, but, you know, let's just pull it down. Let's, you know, make some corrections. Let's get better. Right. And when you're really down, well, it wasn't quite as bad as you thought. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, let's let's get you back up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one. Two, having good people around you. Mm. It's very cliche to say, but, you know, the quote is, you know, you're you got four millionaires and you're the fifth friend and you'll be the fifth. Like that's where your circle is. Like it's the way of thought. Yeah. Like it's just different. And so for me, I had great vets when I was younger that mm -hmm. showed me how to work, showed me um, how to be successful in the game. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I got to Philly, being around a group of guys who love to work, mm -hmm. who love the game and who love to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? From coaches on down. Mm -hmm. um, no wonder we're friends. But there you go. <laughs> right? There you go. So. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. And and I resonate with that mindset. Um, okay. Well, last question. Something I ask everyone on the show. But I'm sure you've had time to reflect on this. You know, I think like we kind of talked about you you've had your needs met in terms of, you know, you, you've had a fulfilling career. You've, that's kind of now um, moving on to a new chapter and, you know, financially you're in a good place, but in, in what you've learned, what you have experienced over, you know, your, your life today, what would you say means the most to you and ultimately fulfills you the most in life? Hmm. Probably the thing that 
I guess fulfills me the most is helping people. So um been extremely fortunate and blessed to be in the position I'm in and to be able to, you know, go back and, you know, possibly create an opportunity for um, people in areas where they may not have one yeah. or to go and, you know, speak to kids about why making good decisions, you know, adds up in the long run mm-hmm. or, um, you know, just, just things along those lines. Like mm-hmm. that's what, you know, most fulfills me. Um, and that's why I said earlier, you know, it's never about, you know, at this point it seems like the yeah. message, it's more about the messenger where it's like right. going into a school as, you know, a former, you know, Super Bowl champion, pro yeah. bowler, whatever, you know, kids like, oh, wait, let me listen. But it's what's more realistic, like the chances of playing football is so slim. 100%, but the chances yeah. of being good at math because you apply yourself or being, you know, whatever you love, you know, is, uh, you know, so much greater. So, yeah, you know, going back and, you know, helping out, speaking, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, is, is what really, you know, fulfills me. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. That's why I do this show. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we're like-minded. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Brandon, for coming up here to New York, being on the podcast. Um, you know, where can people find you? Share your Instagram, share where you're typically at on socials and guys don't talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, feel free. I mean, the, the Instagram will still be there, but uh, shit, what is my Instagram? I think it's uh, bbrooks underscore 79. Okay. And then my Twitter is the same thing. Cool. Um, yeah, it's only two socials I got. And that's, yeah. that's enough for no, me. No, I feel you. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm only on Instagram pretty much, so. awesome well thank you brandon this was so fun thanks for having me on and that was all for today's episode with brandon brooks i hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and had some valuable takeaways as always if you did please be sure to share this episode with a friend share it on your instagram stories and tag the podcast instagram at what fulfills you and my personal one at emily e duong so i can see who has been tuning in if you guys loved this episode and if you do want to follow along with brandon his social media is linked in the show notes so definitely give him some love don't be giving shit to people out here thanks again for tuning in i will chat with you all in the next episode